be okay when it doesn't sound good or look good and know that that is not that's not necessarily who you are but it's a part of who you are and and understanding that you can improve on it and and letting it be what it is you know sometimes sometimes what it's supposed to be is not perfect and we have these these um these things in our head that sort of give us this notion that everything has to be exact you know every line has to be perfect you know every every note has to be perfect and sometimes the in the imperfection is is where like real freedom is welcome to the art and life podcast with your host taylor gallegos art exists all around us in all directions from all walks of life we just need to know how to see it the art and life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths this experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits whatever they may be Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group, where we discuss topics from the shows. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page, and while you're there, check out the new artwork I've been creating. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support my art and the Art and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Just search Taylor Gallegos Art. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. And with me today, we have somebody on the East Coast checking in. This is the gentleman known as Nicholas Ryan Gant. Nicholas, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, Why don't we, uh, well, first off, I want to know how you're feeling right now. Right now, I'm a little bit anxious, a little bit, um, a little bit excited, and a little bit dizzy. Like everything is kind of moving a little bit fast for me at the moment, but I'm feeling good overall. 
is that like in life things are moving fast or is it like in this moment things are moving fast in life things are moving a little bit um at a at a pace that they haven't been moving um they haven't been moving this fast in a little while so yeah yeah so it's like you know it's good to kind of take a breath and and talk talk some things out or you know just talk to somebody (laughs) yeah take a breath so yeah yeah i feel like everybody can relate to that like the pandemic just slowed everything to a halt and then all of a sudden like the world is moving fast again and it's maybe going even very healthy <laughs> it was a, a huge halt yeah i totally agree with that and you know everybody's like okay so as you as you were a year ago <laughs> you know or like as you were like h- however long how however long things were normal Right, we don't even know how long that's been since they were. So, <laughs> what is this normal? <laughs> right. Um, nice. All right. Well, why don't we uh, jump into who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, and what it is that you do with your life? Sure. My name is Nicholas Ryan Gant, as you said before, and you said it correctly, which I do appreciate. <laughs> a lot of people get the get the Gant mixed with Grant, which is it's a thing. But I hate correcting people because then you feel rude. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, affectionately known as the ghetto falsetto in the streets. Um, it's my street name. No, I'm kidding. But um, I am a singer, songwriter. Um, musician and educator, um, maybe somewhat of a style icon, depending on who you talk to. Um, <laughs> being in New York, you don't really have any choice but to be stylish. Um, but yeah, I uh, grew up in a place not too far from where you are, I'm called Phoenix, Arizona. And um, I, uh, I studied music pretty much my entire life since I can remember I've been singing and um, in some sort of like formal education with music since pretty young and um, then I ended up moving uh, moving out east for college at Howard University and I studied opera there um, which was interesting because I didn't end up going into the opera field just because at the time it was a little bit um, it's hard for people of color um, to really get in and get leads and get roles. Um, and so I kind of went the more contemporary route and um, still using the, the classical background to teach lessons and, you know, performing, um, but not necessarily full on opera. And um, then I started working, you know, on the more contemporary side and, and doing vocal coaching with record labels. Um, I did some coaching with Atlantic Records and Republic Records. Um, And then I do my private lessons. And then I decided that I wanted to go deeper into education. And I ended up getting a master's at Hunter College in music education um, here in New York. And I started teaching with the public school system. And so now I do all of it. I'm an artist, singer, songwriter. At the same time, I'm a a full-time music educator um, in a middle school here um, in the West Village. And then I teach private lessons at the same time, still doing my coaching and and things like that. 
um, juggling a lot. And oddly enough, during the pandemic, things on that front didn't necessarily slow down because people were so bored in the house trying to figure out exactly what they wanted to do. And so I actually ended up getting like several more like students virtually. So I got a, a got a lot of private students virtually, people who you know wanted to learn how to sing, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And because of the internet, you can, I mean, do you have your students all over the country or are all they all over the world? All over the world yeah. <laughs> Literally all over the world. Yeah. It just like opens you up to, to all, all sorts of different opportunities. And then um, were people finding you from like your Instagram? Yeah. Instagram stories. Mm. I put in my bio that, you know, I'm a vocal coach yeah. and an educator and, you know, people see these videos that I put up with i do these acapella videos where it's you know 12 boxes and it's all me singing all the harmonies and people see that and like whoa how do you do that you know so <laughs> that sort of piques their interest in in wanting to learn more about their own voice which i think is kind of cool oh those are so cool i was checking those out yesterday they're, <laughs> like, they're great little like snapshot videos of what you can do and you know your range and like what it is to put yourself together like it's it's cool yeah. like the layering effect yeah i'm a i'm a choir kid like you know like that's how you know, a lot of singers get their start in in the choir in the church choir or or something like that but i sang in church choir but i also sang with this um professional chorus as a kid um called the phoenix boys choir and we toured the world literally by the time i was 12 I had already seen the Great Wall of China just through this choir. And so, um, like, just having that affinity for, like, choral music and harmonies and, and you know, vocal music that way, I um, it's natural for me to just, you know, stack vocals <laughs> on top of vocals and harmonies on top of harmonies. That's so. awesome. It's cool because, uh, like, as an artist, I love to work, like, I work in layers with, with paint. And, mm -hmm and the like building of the layers, uh, you know, and like the way that the edges of the layers kind of overlap in interesting ways, like that yeah. is where like the dynamic element really comes into play where you can take, you take a painting and an image and it can be like one thing, but when you add all these layers to it, it can like vibrate in a Absolutely. really cool way. I love that. I love that concept of just the, the whole vibration of it even you know even with colors and i mean because it's all connected you know and like colors and sounds and and harmonies and melodies you know they vibrate together to create something you know larger and greater so i think that's dope i i, I love that connection yeah yeah and there's like i mean the overlap between music and art i mean music is art uh but like the separation of like i guess visual art to, right. to music is like it's there isn't a clear-cut line it's like a spectrum of understanding and there's like you know the light spectrum the sound spectrum they're like it's absolutely just energy it's so cool right i mean and like even for me like when i when i get into there's certain parts of a performance where i get into the zone right and I feel like a painter because like I'll close my eyes and I'm literally just like using my voice to like paint like a picture of whatever, whatever I'm seeing or whatever I'm feeling. So I do feel like a painter a lot. 
like when I when I get into that zone. So I I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you take a couple of minutes and just like walk us through maybe like your specialty um, or like your like what is like what is your brand of of art like exact you know your music like what is it what what's signature about it what where does it come from what's it feel like what's what's it all about it's definitely ever evolving especially the deeper i get into the education side of things and um and then education almost um moves it into an activism direction too um just because you want the kids to be informed about what's going on and just be self-aware. So, um, you know, for me, my specialty is inspiration, right? Like hope, um, you know, like love and joy, like as fluffy as that might sound to someone, like for me, it becomes real, like, especially when you're dealing with young people who who don't necessarily have anything to grasp on onto you know like they don't necessarily have um people who are pouring directly into them or even like speaking affirming words to them and things like that um and so that you become that for people you know and and for me like i've always had this sense of joy um the sense of peace, a sense of joy, and um, the sense of like happiness that sort of like exudes, you know, um, and I'm, I don't always feel that way, right? I don't always feel that way, but it is um, definitely something that um, that I, I, I always am trying to share, if that makes sense. And so my brand of art really is that it's like, it's an it's an inspiration, you know, it's an it's an inspirational type of branding if you will you know that that really um that really does seek to to give people hope you know and you know oddly enough like we're talking about the pandemic and all of those things i don't know if i'm jumping the gun but <laughs> it really stood out to me during the pandemic because i actually got covid and i was one of the first people that anybody knew that had it Go figure, right? And I was also somebody that was very, very like cynical about it because of the way that the media was presenting it. And um, I sort of had a cynical view of it, you know, like, you know, it's been on the Lysol bottle for years. Like, what is it really? Like, are we, you know, are we getting the right information, you know? And I was kind of perpetuating those, those ideas, like, you know, making, making light about it because it hadn't really reached here yet. And then when it did reach here, there was still no information, right? And I ended up getting very sick, like way sick to the point where I was in the hospital for six days. And um, at that point, I felt completely hopeless. <laughs> but once I beat it, it was a, it was, it was like a light to everybody else. Like, okay, this is very, very bad, but it is not the end, and it's not the end for everyone. And so, like, even in that situation, you know, it, like, I was able to inspire hope, like, in my darkest, darkest moment, because it was very, very dark. 
And so with that, you know, it, it, it really helped me to, to understand that that is part of my purpose. You know, that is part of my branding of who I am as an artist to really inspire those things that, you know, that may not, may, people may not get every day. Yeah. Yeah. That was your like dark night in the soul, dark night of the soul. Exactly. It was very dark and very scary. Were there any moments in that experience that like stood out as like, like an aha thought came to you? Like if I make it out of this, then I'm going to do this or anything like that? Well, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I, if I had that, because I don't, I don't know if I had that. And that's how dark it was. If like, and that's scary to think. I don't think I ever had that like, aha. Uh -huh. Yeah, like you, did, you uh -huh. thought you were gonna die? Did you think you were gonna die? <laughs> I did. And I, I, heard, I heard voices like in my head that it would say it on repeat. Like it was sort of like a, a hallucination. Cause like at that point, like your body is so broken down. Like, it, like I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Like I, 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 like I had, you know, the activity of my legs, but like it, I was just so weak, you know, and at that point I couldn't really eat. I hadn't eaten like a solid meal in five days. And so there was a lot going on in my head. And like, I kept hearing voices that said, like, you're going to die, you're going to die. And it would play on repeat, you know, and I did have like, um, several people call and connect that, you know, it, it would crowd those voices out for a few, you know, for a few, like for a moment where I could actually like, like recenter myself. But I don't know if I ever had that moment where I was like, if I make it out, I'm going to do this. But the moment that I did realize that I was going to make it, I feel like I may have had like that moment. But that was after I had already been in the hospital for days because they couldn't they couldn't tell me what was wrong. And I'm like, if these people can't even tell me what's wrong, they don't know why my oxygen level keeps dropping, then I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> you know? Interesting and like just such, so wild, almost like an irony that like you who has like your art is your voice your breath literally is your breath literally like for that to be like so taken away in that moment is pretty it was, wild yeah it was a horrible feeling it was like kind of like ariel and and um <laughs> and ursula yeah <laughs> like that's what it felt like because i was literally <gasps> like that's how i was breathing when i went into the hospital just I couldn't even breathe deeply at all. Like it was just short gasps. It was the scariest thing ever. And so then your recovery from that. Um, I mean, I'm just like thinking in terms of your art being made, like, cause there's the physical like manifestation of it, which is your voice, your singing, but then there's also um, like the writing, like, do you, do you, I mean, you're, you're a songwriter. So like, yeah, for um, sure. Was there like, did you start to heal your body and then like 
did you already have written content that you started that you've been developing for your new album or did right. you start writing from that point or is it a combination of both and I love when, when did the song actually actually like physically be able to come back out of you right so i i love that question only because um the new album is sort of it was sort of like a prophetic in a way like the concepts so i i'm artsy right and like whatever that means <laughs> they can't see my air quotes on the podcast but um <laughs> whatever whatever artsy means like right we take we take inspiration from the smallest things and so I'm, I'm okay with that like i'm okay with you know like being inspired by the color of somebody's like blazer or something like that right but i don't i'm not I don't consider myself the type to be so deep that I get like these downloads and I just have to like stop everything I'm doing and like, you know, I have to like get it out right then. I've never been like that. But for this album, for some reason, that happened. And um, right before the pandemic, I was on a flight to Los Angeles to go um, hang out with friends and I had a couple meetings with a label out there. Um, for some artists that I was going to coach. And I'm just sitting there. I watched some movie um, that had J-Lo and Cardi B and um, a couple of other people. It was about like some strippers that ended up being not not what I thought. It was like actually really kind of deep because it was based on a true story. And, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is really dope, which has nothing to do with the album. But that that was the mindset I was in, just like trying to figure out overcoming like a terrible situation because they all got in these really deep situations in the movie and then they overcame them or for the most part. And just the concept of restoration just hit me. And I was like, dang, this new album's supposed to be called Restore. And so I just started writing and I literally just wrote down all the album, like the album concept. I got the... um the actual song titles for each album and concept. And like the concept for the album was that, you know, I should create the bass lines, which I've never done. I never, I had never done like production in that way. But um, like I, I had to like create the bass lines and, and then everything was like from my voice. Like I was supposed to stack all the, you know, that's what I'm like hearing as I'm like writing. And literally two weeks later was when the pandemic hit right so like i'm planning all this stuff to like start the album and then i get like sick and go down for a month and then completely forget about it all and then when i finally got home i open up the book and i'm like oh damn i was like i have to get i have to get started on this like you know because it was like it hit me that hard that it was something that i really needed to accomplish and so that that's where the the concept came from. It was something about restoration, but before I knew that we all needed to be restored in some in some way, you know, which was like kind of cool. It was cool to, I mean, it, obviously that situation wasn't cool for any of us, but in some ways it was because it it you know it it forced us all to look at certain things, you know, in a different way, 
you know, without the distraction of being outside and being around people. You know, I know a lot of us didn't really take well to, you know, the the whole isolation aspect of it. But if you were able to manage that isolation, like there was probably something amazing that you were going to get from from that time period, you know. So I think yeah, I got the, the the idea of restoration way before I knew I even needed it, which that's what the album is going to be called, Restore. So, That's yeah. so cool. It's crazy. It's almost like you like got a pair of shoes that you knew you were going to grow into intuitively. And exactly. Then at a certain point, you're like, you put them on, and you're like, wow, these fit perfect. Right. <laughs> I love that concept too because I'm obsessed with shoes and sneakers. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, have, I have hundreds of sneakers. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, what are what are your favorites these days, or what are you wearing today? Well, today I had on a pair of um, Jordan ones that were that are black and pink <laughs> to match my black and pink outfit. Um, yeah, I usually wear like Jordan ones um, in different colorways. Um, or I, lately, I've been buying a lot of the classic Nikes, like the Waffle Racers are my favorite. Um, and yeah, so I have way too many sneakers, though. It's it's actually ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. My students are like, oh, you wear a different pair every day. And I'm like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> different versions yeah right <laughs> yeah um i guess i want to go back to that that first time that your voice came back oh right what was that like like was there i'm, I'm assuming there's probably like a progression a lead up yeah, definitely a progression i mean like i and it's weird because i could see the progression because i was like kind of documenting things um not because i knew i had covid because i didn't know i had covid because i didn't i didn't know you could really get it at that point, um, I didn't know I had it until I actually went to the hospital, um, and they tested me because of they, you know, because of my symptoms, and that's how I found found out that I actually had it, and that's also why they decided to keep me, um, because of the way you know my symptoms had progressed. Was that but, the time period when like New York City's COVID problem was like just out of control? Like, yeah, so that was like right before the surge okay it was right before the surge it was actually the the day that they shut the city down was the the first day that i felt symptoms that i thought i thought it was just a cold so like i felt terrible but i was like you know it's a cold and like we were supposed to actually go back to work to figure out how to put everything online but i was so sick i couldn't go in so everybody, and they, people still weren't even wearing masks at that point. Masks weren't a thing yet. And so I was so sick. I was like, I can't go. And then, you know, like I went to get a flu test. They said it was negative. And so I ended up just staying home and toughing it out and figuring out, you know, the end of that week that it was COVID. But that whole time I was like, trying to keep singing, you know, because I felt that like helped me to feel better, even though my breathing was horrible. And then like the moment, like I got up the steps from coming home, I almost threw up because I couldn't breathe, right? Still, even, even after being in the hospital for six days, my breath still was like terrible. 
but you know, I went live on Facebook, you know, just because I didn't feel like trying to answer a thousand questions to individual people. Uh, you know, I went live just to like kind of talk and like I was singing, like I, I just started singing because that was the only thing I could think to do to like get it flowing. And like, I mean, it sounded horrible, right? But like I was breathing enough to like sing, you know, to get it out like that. I'm, you know, I'm alive, I'm okay, and I'm going to be okay. You know, I just wanted to express that to the people. So that first time was, it was really emotional. You know, that was like the first time I really like sang. And then I was trying to build my breath and like use the technique that I that I you know like actually trying to remember the technique that I teach as far as breathing to really um to really build up my vocal stamina again so yeah it was a lot it was a lot like <laughs> thinking like I'm never going to be able to sing properly again and then you know being okay oh yeah that'd be so scary right position <laughs> It's really interesting uh, that you started singing in the Facebook Live and that, um, I mean, what you just said was that you were, you wanted to express that you're alive and that you're okay and that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Because I feel like that's like an essential element of what singing really is at its core. Is yeah, like, sure. like the message that like singing is, is like, I'm alive. I exist right okay i'm gonna be okay it's like there's so much music that's been done from those different perspectives yeah for sure about time and that just goes back to the you know my brand like the inspirational brand you know and and just really just reiterating like even in the face of this disease that's literally killing like millions of people like i'm i'm okay you know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so uh, where's the album now? I know that you're, you're putting out um, a video today when we're recording and I'm going to either, I'm going to try to get it out today, but it might be tomorrow when we get it out, but, no, it's um, okay. and then you're, um, and so then where's your album at? Uh, what in the progress stage? Right. So I, on my end, I'm pretty much done. I'm, as far as like, you know, the writing and recording that I'm going to do for it. I'm waiting on some collaborators. I have some, um, some cool collaborations, some surprise collaborations that um, I'm crossing my fingers that, you know, come through. Um, so the, it, it's pretty close to finished, which I'm excited about because it's, it's been obviously over a year in the making. Um, but it's set to release you know, without, hopefully with no hiccups, um, my birthday, which is December 27th, um, this year. So I'll be, um, I'll be turning very old and, <laughs> and releasing, releasing new music on that same day, <laughs> which I think is pretty appropriate, right? Um, as an artist to, to really, to really, I guess not capitalize, but really just take that season and, and, and share, you know, share my art, you know, the, the season that I was born in and sharing art, I think kind of go hand in hand. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. 
and it's like a documentation almost like a time capsule of like this is where you are at this age and you know in this right. stage of the game this is what, what you're thinking and feeling right i mean and art obviously you know is supposed to imitate life but like for me i always i always add on to that that you know like life and art imitate each other but they are each other you know at the same time it's like they're not separate for me you know everything i do is like art <laughs> you know yeah absolutely i mean where where do you draw the line right there to me there there really is no line and i think that i think that that's important for young people to see um just because we're taught so much like that things should always be separate or like you have to be this way with these people and be this way like when you're at work or like be professional and be this and be that and and not really understanding that like all those things can be connected you know and you can be all of those things and still be you know your yourself you know i think that's really the most important thing that i like to show young people i mean and and for me i'm when i'm in the classroom i act the same way i would like when i'm with my friends at brunch like you know what i mean like i act i'm crazy i'm fun you know and and that draws kids in you know it draws kids in you know and and just being being yourself i think wherever you are even though sometimes it's difficult and you can't always do that and and for some people that is a luxury i think and if we work hard to to really erase all of those things that separate those different areas i think this world would be so different and so much more enjoyable for people but yeah and comfortable and like right for everybody for everybody if we could all just let people be who they are i mean i get it there 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 are rules and there's decorum in certain spaces for a reason but sometimes i think it's it's a little bit it's a little bit too much yeah, and a lot of times, uh, a lot of those rules and everything regulations are passed down from people and ideas and societies that aren't here anymore. And then yeah. that's why that's why it's so good that there's so much questioning of all of these structures that's been happening in the last few years, because like, things need to be questioned like do those things actually have any relevance in this world anymore right and like are they yeah, helpless right like are were these things even based in anything that was valuable in the first place or was it not was it like you know because so many rules and restrictions are based in um power control situations and and that's just not right <laughs> like that's, that's where like these things all just need to be questioned things that are, shouldn't be there anymore shouldn't be there anymore exactly exactly i mean i and we're saying that a lot like just with the the influx in in support of all the different movements that are based on race you know and, and color like obviously what y'all were doing before 
was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, what you were doing before is ridiculous. And why did it take you so long to to realize that the, it, it was ridiculous and we shouldn't be operating this way, you know? That that part is it's hard because there's so many people who are dragging their feet because of tradition, you know, and 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 it just it gets it gets really complicated because like things that people are consider considering political like completely infringe on human rights, you know, and so it gets it gets crazy, and I think that's where we as artists like have a duty to to really to really speak up and use our platforms in ways you know that that can progress us in a in a way that's that's better for everybody you know yeah and that's where people like the definition of art can be so widely applied and people's and and where art starts and where it stops you know can be more broadly laid down that like somebody's life is their art and their you know what they do on a sunday and like go you know do a, like participate in a march or do this or that like whatever like all that is people's art and it's art is like an expression of of someone's like uh what they stand for what they believe in what they hold true to you know and like what they're going to help uphold absolutely and that you know that for me like it gets it gets really complicated as a black man <laughs> you know as an educator um especially with the demographic that that I teach now um before you know I taught in a in a school that was like 98% black and they still were pretty unaware of a lot of the issues that they were facing even though it it directly affected them, they they were still oblivious. Like you know, it, and there were a lot of things. I'm like, wait, you don't know that you have to do this because <laughs> you know it's really important for you. Um, but now, you know, I teach in a school um, where the demographic is like 60% white, um, which it's different. Um, one, because they are also unaware <laughs> of how um, what they do and how they live like may affect other people, you know? And so like me being on the other side of it, sometimes I'm just like, oh, how do I approach this? <laughs> like, how do I approach this and, and not get 500 emails from parents? Like, you know what I mean? How do I approach this and really, um, how do I, how do I let them know and still keep my job and keep my sanity, you know? So that's like the, the problem that I'm falling into now. Your like, sanity and your authenticity to yourself and what you know as like what's right and true. Exactly. It's wild because you're talking to students, but then also like they go home and talk to their parents and their parents ask them what you learned in school today. And so then you're like talking you're actually having a conversation with these parents but it's like indirectly through the filter of a child and the parents you don't even you're not even looking at them like you're not even in a face-to-face right. -face conversation where you can like read them and be like 
okay, this is how I have to approach it. Right. You're like, it's, I mean, teachers, I think, have one of the most challenging jobs on the planet. It, it gets pretty difficult. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, I try to, like, make it as fun as possible, but it gets pretty difficult to manage sometimes. I mean, especially now, like, when you can't even breathe while you're trying to do it because you have a mask on, which... <laughs> I'm thankful for mask mandates because they keep us healthy, but it's like almost unrealistic to like have a mask on all day, like trying to talk over 37th graders in a classroom. <laughs> it's like almost unrealistic, like, you know, but we're getting it done. Ah. <laughs> uh. So it's it's amazing. My hats off to all the teachers everywhere. It's like that that just sounds so hard. <laughs> it's so it's hard. hard. It is hard. It's hard. I mean, especially because they haven't been in a classroom either. Like they haven't been in a classroom for over a year. A lot of them, you know. Like at one point we were teaching, and there were like five kids in front of us, you know, and then the rest are on Zoom or like however however your school chose to do it. But it was it was a short. It was like a small number. Now we're just back to, let's just go. <laughs> here's 30 kids. And then here's a different set of 30 kids. Like, you know, it just, it gets, it gets a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I think it's time to switch to the part one questions. Are you ready for those? Now these, are, I didn't tell you about this before in our pre-interview talk, okay. but Part one, I've been asking these four questions to everybody. Um, sure. And the part two questions are unique for you. Um, but so part one, question one is, uh, what would you say your breakthrough moment was with your art? So, I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, like when did you really like arrive into like the full version of yourself as a singer, songwriter, everything? Mm -hmm. or maybe you haven't, maybe you don't feel like you're there yet, but um, but maybe you do. Or maybe there was like a certain like certain moment that stood out. Yeah, I think um, when I released the project, uh, my last project, Maze, that was when I really felt like, okay, I'm, I am who people say I am. Like before I kind of had this, this sort of imposter syndrome kind of feeling where I didn't really feel like I belonged and like you know you hear people say you're a superstar but like you're like well you're my friend you have to say that right um <laughs> and when I released that project um and I just I knew that I had worked really hard on it um just writing and like conceptually and putting it all together that I was like okay I really I really am this <laughs> I really am this artist and I really feel good about you know what the art that I'm actually, I'm actually sharing with the world. Like I feel good about it. So when I released that project, I really felt like, okay, I, I really am doing this. And that was like, I want to say that was like seven years into me already like doing it, which is kind of like, it's a little bit funny that it took that long for me to really, to really like settle into it. And I had been like, you know, full-time artist, and, you know, like artist and teacher, artist and, you know, working retail or whatever. And 
and still like it took for that project for me to feel that security in what I was doing. And then, you know, your artist, your artist brain kicks in and, and discredits everything you've ever done again. <laughs> and then it comes, it ebbs and flows. But yeah, that, I, I remember feeling that when I released that project. Right, right. It's like, our and our brains are just like geared maybe to, to compare ourselves to like the greatest that have ever done it. <laughs> and, and you compare yourself to like the greatest hits at the end of their career. Exactly. Like, who they were at the beginning stages. Um, yeah. All right. Now you talked about the zone a little bit. Um, second question is about flow state or the zone. And uh, it's what is a favorite flow state moment that you've experienced that comes to mind? Oh my goodness. It's actually recorded. Um, I was working with this director named Matthew Henderson. He decided that he wanted to shoot a docu-series about me as an artist, which I thought that was kind of cool, um, <laughs> that I was somebody's muse. Um, but we filmed um, in a place that is no longer in existence, which is kind of sad. Um, it was on U Street in DC called um, Bohemian Caverns, which is really famous, a really famous jazz club like everybody who was anybody in the jazz world back in the day had played there like duke ellington like elephants like everybody had played there oh. and so i was like feeling like the pressure of that but then still the inspiration um but then my keyboardist for the thing didn't show up <laughs> he just didn't show up and it, and we had like millions of dollars worth of equipment there to film this like these huge like cameras that you see at the oscars like you know like they brought in all this equipment i had all these people coming in to do the do the taping and he just didn't show up and um my manager at the time made a phone call to a keyboardist that he trusted and you know sent him the music and uh he like got it down in an hour and there's like this one part where you know i got just kind of close my eyes and i'm just i'm like i call it out i'm just like just me and him and we just like are going back and forth and we're like following each other and i hit this riff that sounded like it wasn't going to be in the key but it like flowed with it and like i was i kind of shocked myself <laughs> and i came out and i was like i was like you thought i lost you didn't you <laughs> <laughs> and we both had this connection and uh, that's just like one of my favorite musical flow moments just because you know it really felt like it just felt so right you know how everything's going wrong and then something happens that just feels so right and like at that moment I was like this is exactly what is supposed to be happening and it felt <laughs> good <laughs> everything came together perfectly it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome I love it. I can feel feel the energy off of you. Right. Um, all right. Question three is, what is your advice to aspiring creatives? And I use uh, the word creatives very loosely. Like, yeah, every, sure. You know. Yeah, I think that um, my advice is to be okay when it doesn't sound good or look good and know that that is not that's not necessarily who you are but it's a part of who you are and and understanding that you can improve on it 
and and letting it be what it is you know sometimes sometimes what it's supposed to be is not perfect and we have these these um these things in our head that sort of give us this notion that everything has to be exact you know every line has to be perfect you know every every note has to be perfect and sometimes the in the imperfection is is where like real freedom is you know in the imperfection and i think that like just don't be afraid to to not be good at it sometimes <laughs> and it's okay that's great yeah i love that <laughs> thanks um all right last question is what is your definition of art well <laughs> like whoa um <laughs> art is art is being inspired it's being inspired and it it, it is being it's being inspired and creating from that inspiration whatever that means um and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you are um presenting or like showing somewhere or selling you know but like art art can be in in a lot of different forms like i i get dressed in the morning and it's it's art to me you know putting together like my my outfits and my accessories that's art you know it's a form of expression being able to express yourself um is art like even using your words you know it's art all of that <laughs> I don't know, it was kind of vague, but no, that's great. I, I mean, what I'm hearing is uh is like a two-part answer, and it's really cool. It's like first it's the like the state of being, and right. then the creation from that state of being. Right. And um, and I think that's a really good way to look at it because and that gives you between those two variables, that gives you like so much range for what your art can be. Absolutely. What it can look like and how it can come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, that's great. Great job on the questions. Well done. Um, <laughs> Did I pass? Uh, you passed. You passed. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, giving you a grade here and uh, you got it. <laughs> nice job. Well, um, Nicholas, I, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. It's uh, my pleasure. This has been a pleasure for me as well. And um, I want to acknowledge you for coming back from the brink and then putting all of that into, you know, your work and then putting out like your, your album's almost ready. Um, you're making videos, you're creating content, you're, um, you know, you're passing on your wisdom to the youth. And then also like you're finding a way to make it work online and like helping people around the world um you know like you're you're just making a life from this energy this state of being that you exist in and then you know creatively putting it out and so um you're you're, you're just like living a as a true artist it's awesome i'm trying thank you i really am <laughs> it sounds really cool when you say it <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way i'm like damn am i doing all of that i guess i am 
Sheesh. You are. You definitely are. So keep <laughs> it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Um, where can everybody connect with you online? Yeah. So um, if you want to see my outfit of the day or see me um, dancing around the classroom like a fool, um, you can check me out on Instagram um, at Ghetto Falsetto. G-H-E-T-T-O-F-A-L-S-E-T-T-O. Um, and if you want to hear what I think about certain things and my random um, brain activity, you can follow me on Twitter, um, which is pretty similar, ghetto underscore falsetto, because somebody took ghetto falsetto and they don't even tweet, which I was kind of irritated about, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, ghetto underscore falsetto. And then... Um, my music, um, you can check out ghettofalsetto.bandcamp.com. And that's everything that I've ever recorded. And the new single will be streaming there tonight. So you'll get to hear the new single um, before anybody else, because <laughs> nobody else knows. And yeah, so that's exciting. Sweet. Love it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right, well, this is the end of part one. Can you leave the humans listening with one little bit of wisdom one last bit of wisdom oh yes uh and it can be about anything somebody said somebody said this to me and it really struck me um if you can't be patient with someone at least try to be kind which i think we all need grace right now because everybody's going through so many different things. And if you don't have the patience, at least try to be kind to them. So that's my, my human thought for the day. <laughs> that's really great. We, we could definitely all use that. I could use that at times for sure. Um, okay, cool. Well, we'll uh, take a break and we'll be back for part two. Again, this podcast is brought to you by High Ground Coffee, an adventure coffee brand with a new twist on brewing coffee, wherein you steep coffee like it's a tea. You just drop a packet in hot water and you go. It's the newest way to brew coffee and it's awesome. Use coupon code TAYLOR at checkout for 15% off. Visit them at myadventurecoffee.com. That's myadventurecoffee.com. And we're back. All right. Nicholas, you ready to ready to keep going? I think so. <laughs> All right, me too. Um, first question is, how are you feeling now? I feel um, I feel great. I don't feel any of what I was feeling earlier. Um, I think it was definitely definitely um, good to be able to just talk a few things out, like I said, and um, yeah, feel good. Yeah. Nice. I'm always curious too, like at the beginning of, you know, going on a podcast, there's like, there's anticipation and uh, it was cool. You said, you mentioned nervousness and it, you said you were like a little nervous and you said you were excited. And um, I heard a podcast interview with some dancer, choreographer, and uh, the guy was on Dancing with the Stars a whole bunch. And he was saying that there was one person he was working with who he would always ask her how she's feeling beforehand. And she kept on saying nervous. And then they'd like get out there and they'd practice a bunch and it would go great. And then like when it came to the big show, she would like flop. And 
And then uh, he had her switch it so that she started saying that she was excited instead of nervous because like the difference is really pretty small. Um, like you're feeling the same energy in it, inside of you. It's like really just putting like a negative twist or a positive twist on it. And he, right. from then on, like they just went and like knocked it out and they ended up winning the whole thing. I love that. Yeah. Right. How it's like, it's kind of just like your perception on it. And it's a, like the, the difference in a word can make Absolutely. such a shift. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I explained the whole uh, little game that we play here uh, that I play with people. And we got the questions or the concepts route for you to go. Which, which would you like? I have to keep one. I can't, I can't go back and forth. I got to go either questions or concepts. Yeah, this is a fork in the road. And uh, once you go one step down, you can't go the other way. Okay. I don't know if I have the brain capacity for concepts. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> Do I have it? I don't know. Okay, I'll go with questions. Questions. Okay, cool. The concepts were going to be good. I feel like oh, I... Okay, well, maybe I'll go with concepts. <laughs> okay, concepts, concepts. Okay, okay. I don't, I, means, but... I, I don't usually like suggest, but I feel like these concepts are pretty keyed up for you. Okay. Okay, so. let's go with concepts. All right, these are the three concepts, and you choose one of them that you feel like you want to talk about, and then we just go from there. Okay. So, um, the three concepts are history, mm -hmm. style, okay, and harmony. Oh, okay. Let's talk about style. Style. All right, here we go. <laughs> a good answer. Good answer. Family feud. <laughs> cool. Yep. Yep. What? Uh. So, what do you think? What do you feel about style? I feel like style um is is something that that's important. I mean, it's almost kind of like your fingerprint. It should be unique to you, you know. Um, and then you you and borrow, steal, or be inspired by um, other people's style. You know, I think that um, I think that your style of whatever it is is it's important and it's necessary, right? Um, because of what you bring to it, and I think that your you know your your uniqueness um, is something that can really be celebrated, you know, within your style you know, whatever that is. Like when I think about style, like obviously the different the different things that come to mind, you know, are style and fashion, like styling styling your clothing. Um, just because I'm really into that, um, just expressing myself um through the way that I dress and colors and things like that. But also, you know, your your style of singing um for me stands out because as a vocal coach, um as a vocal coach and as a, you know, a voice teacher, like my goal is to help people develop their own style, right? There are certain things that I think should be across the board, depending on how your voice is and how your body is and all those things, everybody's so different. Um, but I also think that your voice is yours. You know, your voice is unique no matter who you were inspired by, no matter who you listen to, it's still yours and it's still unique. And, and so I think that um, 
you know, style, we're nothing like with people without style in any area, in any medium, you know, style is important. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I like the idea of it being like a fingerprint um, and that <clears throat> sort of in a just like a fingerprint, you can't not leave a fingerprint, you know, yeah, like yeah. even if you aren't making conscious decisions about your style, you are expressing a style. You are. And so like your style, of the way that you do anything and everything, it's like everything's an opportunity to make a choice of like how you want to be like what you want to express yeah even if you don't care you know even if even if that's the that's your mo you don't care that's still a style right it's still it's still something and people can be attracted to it or you know or they can shun it but it's still it's still a choice right you're yeah. still making a choice yeah yeah you're if, in that situation you're just choosing not to choose which exactly. is still very much a choice very much so yeah uh, i guess like as far as like style as far as like my style is concerned like obviously like we all evolve and like there's certain aspects of style that that we keep or we you know throw away or we you know we disregard or we it evolves into something else but like it's always funny to me to look back at old pictures like you know when I thought I was like killing it like just in regards to like fashion and style I'd be like oh I thought I was like it or I like love this shirt that looked so ridiculous to me now in my head you know but just like how our styles evolve I think I think that's just as important too, you know, and 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 seeing how we grow in our style, you know, in in the things that we do. And I think I feel like I've said style like five thousand times. It could be like a drinking game at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think it's it, how it how how it develops and evolves is just as important, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like a conversation uh like an ongoing conversation with yourself or like in that sort of a sure like a slack channel almost it's like your your style is like its own channel that you're just like conversating on always yeah for sure it's funny thinking about style and like like looking back on styles that you thought were cool at certain points and then um you know and then looking back at different styles that recur and over time and and then looking at like you look at the 90s and there isn't a whole lot in the 90s that people are like doing in certain <laughs> that's totally false there's like certain things that people aren't bringing back and then there's certain things that people are and like yeah. really and then you look at the 80s and there's the same situation in the 70s and this is still being way too general but in general you know you can look at these blocks of time and like and um and things go in and out of style kind of like a wave yeah sure um, i always think that's so interesting even because like when i like being a child in the 90s right there were certain things that that you see now that were indicative of the 90s like you know just like baggy jeans hoodies like 
different brands, cross colors, but then there were also a lot of things that were happening that were from other time periods, right? Like there was like the whole like 60s mod, like in like 60s and 70s, like bell bottoms thing that was happening, you know, that was obviously from another decade. And so it's just like, do we consider that 90s or do we consider that, you know, the, the previous decade? you know the decade that it was actually from so it's like it's so weird how things are you know repeating it repeating themselves now yeah um some people i mean it's been said uh that like there's nothing new under the sun sure yeah like you know there's nothing is original anymore everything's been done how do you feel about that i feel like there's a lot of truth to that um there's a lot of truth to it, but I feel like there's always new ways to discover like old things, you know, I mean, and, and even just the way that you as an individual view it and use it and take it, I think is like, that's, you know, that's important to, to like reuse those ideas, reuse those, you know, those concepts and those things. But I feel like there is a lot of truth that there's nothing new under the sun, but that doesn't mean that it can't be, you know, used in a, in a new way or in a different way, you know, or rediscovering it. I think like those moments are important. Yeah. You know, just like when I discover, like I have like, you know, hundreds of records in my shelf right in front of me and, you know, just like, discovering like something that's very old even though it's not new like you can still draw inspiration from something that's been here before you know i think that it's important not to lose sight of that but um i don't know i kind of feel <laughs> i kind of feel now like how my mom felt in the 80s there's this and not in the 80s but in the 90s there's a singer named mary j blige that i love like i'm like obsessed with her right but <laughs> my mom could not stand her because she she remade all of the songs from my mom's childhood. So she had like all these songs like by this group called Rose Royce. Like she sang I'm Going Down and like she had a couple songs by this um artist named Patrice Russian, like You Remind Me. She took that and like maybe remixed it and it would frustrate my mom so much. <laughs> She's like, I don't know why that lady messing up my song. Like, you know, just hearing her say that. <laughs> and then like, I hear like a song from my childhood and you know, like specifically, I'll give it like a specific example, like this song um, um, called I Love Your Smile by Shanice. And there's a singer named Chris Brown who like re remade it, like using the same melody, right? And the song to me is not as good as Shanice's song. So I'm like, if you if you're gonna remake it, at least make it like so that it's better or like you know a, a more you know, popping version of it. Like it just it just wasn't as good. And so I'm like, that's pointless, you know. So I'm feeling like exactly <laughs> my mom felt, you know, like why is this man messing up my song? Like you know, yeah. So yeah, like just but but the fact that he can draw inspiration from you know something that is older. Right. And like give it to another generation, I think is, you know, it's important, you know, and like the melody is so recognizable like, and it's it's good for me, too, because I can make connections to the young people that I'm teaching when I'm teaching music. I'm like, oh, have you heard this song by Chris Brown? 
right? And they're like, yeah, I'm undecided, right? And he, they start singing it. And then it, it's actually the original. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, and so it kind of like blows uh-huh. their mind, which I think is like, it's really cool. Like, you know, drawing those, those connections, you know, from stuff that can be considered old or not new, you know, but discovering that in a new way, which I think is great. Yeah, and it, uh, I mean, by people recycling styles and themes and ideas from the past, it brings it back. Like, these kids would have never heard that if if he, if he Chris Brown didn't make that song. Sure. Um, and, like, and in a lot of ways, I mean, there's always, there's, like, a debate always about, like, copying people's styles or, or you know, you got to have your own style and that's it don't copy anybody else um i had a buddy who's a a break dancer on here and he was talking about that about how like they'll get into these battles and get like mad at each other for doing the same moves or and and i've as an artist like from a painter point of view i feel like i'm always like trying to pay homage to the artists that came before me and like it's a way of you know like it's a way of showing respect i'm not i mean I, I, I mean, yes, I'm copying and then changing, but like, you know, similar to like a fingerprint, I'm taking like half of the fingerprint is going to be like a borrowed concept or a right. quarter of it, but then the rest of it's my fingerprint. And it's like a cool way to like keep it alive and like show, show respect to those who have come before. Right. I definitely think, you know, I am all about like, acknowledging like the ancestors and people who like paved the way and like paying homage like that is my like that's like my thing just because I just I think that it's so important you know I think that it's so so important to acknowledge you know the people that came before us that paved the way for us so I'm like I never hesitate to do a tribute (laughs) or give tribute you know that's like are there are there any people that you like to pay homage to regularly are there some like like who are your favorites that yeah um as far as music wise um donny hathaway who just um had a birthday um on on the first um he's like one of my favorite male vocalists ever um aretha franklin she's like hands down my favorite singer and so <laughs> like after she died it was so weird after she passed away i sang everything like her like everything i was singing like sound sounded like her to me in my head like i always i took her approach to singing it which was like kind of cool um i think i still do but um yeah so those people are definitely like the greats like the soul greats i'm always giving giving flowers to yeah yeah i really i think it's really cool how you have a classical like training background with the opera and that um i mean like for me as an artist as a painter i'm really grateful that i've had so much education in like the historical backgrounds of a lot of you know of like this little niche of the world that i'm in that way i can have a better understanding of like the way that things fit on top of it yeah um you know and then like contemporary street art and things like that like i can see like oh that's like 
you know, we're pulling that from this and uh, it helps with my understanding. And I feel like that probably does the same for you. Yeah, for sure. And just pulling, you know, that, that inspiration from, from all those different aspects of, of it. Like, I mean, obviously it comes, it comes together to, to make who you are, but then it also like allows you to connect with so many different people on so many other levels, you know? So like that, that's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah, what it, it must've been really wild, like getting into the opera line of study and then feeling like there wasn't a place for you in that. Yeah, so that was always weird. It, it was always weird because I had, I had teachers that, I would say they didn't see, obviously like not seeing color is not real. Like we have to see color. Like I don't, I don't know your philosophy on that and I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> impose mine, but I I feel like when people say I don't see color, it's not real um, because our differences are what make us who we are, you know? And, but for me, like it was always interesting because they, um, I only had one instance where um, where the person, where my teacher was like, no, we shouldn't sing that because you're never gonna sing it. And um, and it was it was hard because I really liked the role. I, and I, I was learning um, Maria from West Side Story, right? And obviously like, I'm not Polish. Right, <laughs> you know, I don't look Polish. Like I would never even be mistaken for somebody from Poland. But um, yeah, like it. It took it took me a while to really get over that. And then the next day, he was like, "I was wrong." He was like, "We're gonna sing the damn song because I know you can sing the hell out of it. It doesn't matter what you look like." And so, like that that helped to change my perspective. Um, even though like how he felt, especially at that time, like nobody else felt that way. And there was still nobody that was gonna in their right mind cast me for that role. It was the fact that he believed in my talent so much, like over like what I looked like in comparison to what, you know, what it was supposed to you know what the role was supposed to be and that meant so much more to me right um but that still wasn't en <laughs> it wasn't enough to over overshadow like that loom like because it was like a constant it would always it, it would have been a constant fight to be seen you know and i and maybe it wouldn't have i don't know but i i made the choice to like sort of separate myself from it because it just it just wasn't it wasn't gonna be the walk that I wanted. Not that I wanted it to be easy, but I don't know. And and a lot of the times I do regret that. Like I do regret making that choice and not following through with it the same way that I, I would have, you know, had I been white. Right? Let's just be honest. Or like, you know, like I feel like it, it would have been a, di a different story, you know, like I wouldn't had, have had the same barriers, you know, um, but the classical aspect of it, I 
just the classical aspect of my training has, you know, it's helped me in a lot of different ways. I mean, mostly, I don't know, like, if this is, like, fair to say, but mostly, like, with validation from from white people in the field of music. Um, I don't know if you get this deep on this podcast, but <laughs> but like that's really where it gives it gives me the most it gives me the most credibility. Like as a as a music teacher and an artist, like when people hear that I actually studied opera and I you know I've sung all over the world. Like in regards to it, like it gives me um it gives me that kind of validation. Um, as a teacher and as a vocal coach, I'm like, oh, you study opera, then you must know, you know, you must be able to really sing, you know? Validation um, like I just did. <laughs> Where I was like, oh yeah, you're obviously you're classically trained. No, but I mean, like, it, it, it is like, it is worth a lot. I mean, because I studied for hours and hours, you know? So it's like that, that should be, you know, more where people are, you know, sort of, like taken aback by but you know obviously like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into that when you get into like the classical world as opposed to like jazz or r&b or whatever and that's what like we've been fighting for to let people know that like those genres like studying those genres and all of those things are just as valid you know what I mean? And they people sort of like put classical in this place of like hierarchy, like that's where we need to to get to 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 be considered a real musician, right? When in essence, like you work just as hard at any of these other genres. And and you know, like and I didn't take it that way, like how you, you know, you, I didn't take it that way from you. So don't, don't feel bad, but, <laughs> but yeah, like that, um, that really has been, um, it's helped me because it's part of who I am, but I came into the understanding of classical music as a gospel singer. So like those concepts of, you know, like when you think of like Handel and Mozart, I know that's like kind of getting specific, but like, the way that they write music, very runny, very long, very melismas, like, you know, a lot of melismas is, is the same thing. Like when you listen to a gospel group, like the Clark sisters, you know, they do a lot of runs that are really, really long and like, you know, all over the scale, the same way. It's the same concept. So I was able to take on both sides, like growing up singing gospel and then learning classical and be like, oh, like the, the fact that like I hadn't, you know, like, the idea of the Clark sisters in my head doing those runs, it was easier for me to do a run from a piece from Handel because I already had the breath support because I knew how to like hold my breath to do a long run like Karen Clark, you know. So it was it was it was already there, you know. It's just it was just a different a different framework and presented in a different way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's like so many awesome spots to uh, like jump off there. And um, now that was great. That was a great um, statement, like full, like multi-layered statement there. Um, well, I guess like the, the spot that I would talk to is that uh, like with a certain amount of time into your craft, into your skill with like 
you know these constructs of music whether they're like a historic like an opera setup or like a jazz club or something like that like the amount of hours it takes like 10,000 hours to be an expert at something of course is what Malcolm Gladwell said and um like wherever you're at doing that is going to get you to an amazing level of like mastery of it and it yeah. really it really doesn't matter and um you know and like I'm I'm speaking I was talking about relating the opera thing to like classical art but then the, the same thing could be said in the art world of like street artists and and what's happening in the world of art with like Banksy, Shepard Fairey and all the street artists that are coming in to the scene yeah. not allowed in the galleries before and now they're owning like they're just running the gallery scene yeah uh, seriously <laughs> yeah it's like it's the same thing and and it's cool because these walls are these these like these constructs these like forms of control uh you know with gatekeepers saying like no you got we're gonna let in these people and they're going to be considered high art and then we're going to keep the rest out and their lowbrow art like that is being demolished and um okay. you know through the democratization of like social media and like like art galleries are not existing the same way that they used to and it seems like music is doing the same thing and um you know with like self-production and promotion and all these things like it's yeah for sure um, i mean the industry even even since i've been a part of it has evolved in ways that i can't even keep up with right it's like you know our generation invented like social media and i'm like still lagging behind you know like i was like one of the first people to have instagram that i knew and i'm still like lagging behind i still haven't like fully grasp the concept of all of this and like then you throw the algorithms and all of that into it you know i think i think that that um it's it's just very telling like you know like that all mediums of art are sort of like mirroring mirroring and reflecting each other in that way you know and it's becoming like a self-made kind of thing you know, like a self-made, like guerrilla style, <laughs> guerrilla, if you will, like kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, I've got a question for you. And I don't know if you're up for this right now or not, but would you be willing to sing for us? Here we go. We had a little uh, technical difficulty, but we're back. <laughs> we are back. And now I want to share... Um, just uh, my musical offering for this year, the new single called Heal the Land. Sounds like this. I think it's gonna work.
so much that was beautiful i appreciate it yeah it's, uh, it's the new single for the from the album restore which will be out in december um i'm releasing it you guys are the first to hear it so <laughs> you're the first to hear it that's awesome <laughs> well i feel honored um i really like the uh the message of it and it's like you know, it connects with the bigger narrative of just like our connection with the planet. This is what I'm taking from this is yeah, sure. my, my initial reaction is like our connection with the planet and uh, and how there's just like so much healing that needs to be happening um, on a large scale. And then, of course, like internal as well, like you can take it on multiple levels. For sure. I mean, it's definitely all of that. I mean, and, and healing is just, that's the operative word. Like taking those steps and really understanding like what that means, you know, for you and how your healing definitely can inspire and affect like other people, you know, close and connected to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool it's like your your art is an opportunity to be a leader and you don't you know it can happen like internally and then in a recording booth for sure and and then you can end up being like such a leader you don't need to be like leadership is so multi-dimensional absolutely absolutely i mean and you can be the type of leader that is you know loud or the type of leader that falls back and 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 leads among the people and i think that those type of leaders are most important love it <laughs> well you got any other um last thoughts for anybody here um really just take you know i'd say take time for you and do something that makes you feel good at least once a day. <laughs> do something that makes you happy at least once a day. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm I'm like trying to get there. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like a ritual or like a, a habit of uh of like personal wellness yeah and self-care that's like the the trendy word mm-hmm. self-care do something that makes you happy at least once a day at least once yeah totally totally i mean it's like uh you know on an airplane it's like the instructions are to put on your own oxygen mask first yep like this is this is our oxygen mask yep <laughs> yeah i love that well this has been awesome thanks for being on the show thank you for having me i really appreciate it this has been really dope yeah it has um everybody go and follow it's fun <laughs> you got great style thanks yeah <laughs> absolutely all right uh well hey we'll talk to everybody in the future so that my friends was my interview with nicholas ryan gant that was great that was really fun uh i love talking about style and this gentleman has it in spades um definitely jump over and follow him on all the places and uh let's like keep tabs as these songs are coming out and as his album comes out you got to hear a little bit of his voice ghetto falsetto (laughs) it's beautiful it's beautiful voice it was really cool um and i was just telling him that like after the we got off the recording uh just that i was really appreciative that he leaned into some of the topics that he went into and that we could really like dive into it and explore some things that you know maybe weren't super comfortable to talk about or you know like i don't know it's like they're not always comfortable topics aren't always comfortable but they they should be expressed and they should be broached and the whole podcast like a reason for this podcast is to showcase artists creatives humans from different backgrounds and um, walks of life and express themselves and express the things that they go through and the feelings that they have and the perspectives that they have and um, he did just that and that's really like what he does in his life as an artist and uh yeah perfect interview love it i guess my question to you guys is uh where in your life could you be expressing yourself more authentically and uh are there things that you hold back do you like feel yourself hold back from expressing certain things at certain times and do you know why you hold back are there are there ways that you could live more out loud i mean i think probably the answer for everybody is yes and uh as artists i think that's one thing that we really want to do throughout our lives is like it's funny is like try to get back to that uh no filter or at least like a minimal filter that we had when we were children because kids don't have a filter at all and then we learn over time uh how to filter things out and how to hold back but like multiple artists have said this throughout time that like they're just really trying to like learn to paint as a child would or like you know be a kid like they used to be so anyway i think that's it guys thanks for following along 
Cheers.